Hello, welcome back to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman. I am joined by Elliot Tanti. Uh, Braden is off this week. Uh, he's doing a little gardening. Um, we will try, Elliot, to get back to a more uh, regular schedule, but this will be our first podcast of September. Uh, and that means that uh, football season is on us. So we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, we're also going to touch base on what we have learned so far and what we hope we will learn soon uh, from this Hockey Canada Summit that was held in Calgary um, to look into you know, the culture around hockey in general in, in North America and, and specifically Canada, obviously. And uh, and so that'll be interesting. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take our hats off to some people. But before we do, really quickly, Elliot, as uh, football season gets, gets going here, um, scale of 1 to 10, week one's done. How confident are you now in your fantasy picks? Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, I, won, I won my first round uh, this week, so I'm feeling really good. None of us have players on Monday, so I know where I stand. And um, Generally, week one doesn't go too well for me. Um, so that this might be a bad omen, to be honest with you. But anyway, uh, feeling good. And you know what? It's a, always a ride. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Here's topic one. All right, let's get to it then. Football, 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 football. Lots of football. Um, college football season's obviously underway. Uh, the NFL season's just getting underway this week. Uh, the CFL almost at the turning point before the playoffs here. So lots of football just all around. Um, uh Really quickly, just out of curiosity, Elliot, like how much college football would you say you watch in a year? None. None at all? You don't just None. turn it on while you're doing like laundry or something on a Saturday night? No, because typically Saturday nights, you know, when the college football season's in full swing, that's like prime hockey time for me. Um, and so it's not generally a big watch. I mean, you know, if something's going on, you know, sometimes maybe if I'm folding laundry or something like that in the afternoon, there's nothing. But it's not something that I necessarily follow. Um, I do like to keep track of sort of like the the stories and, and when it comes down to the final four, but mid season, there's just too much going on and too many teams and too much to follow to really know. And, uh, and, and frankly, there's, just, it just happens for us in Canada at a time when there's other stuff going on. You think about like baseball, start of hockey, NFL, it's just, there's just too much, man, too much. So then let me ask you this. Have you at all, followed or caught up on this coach prime in Colorado story with Deion Sanders and what is going on in, uh, in the foothills of the, of the Rocky mountains. Not at all. Absolutely not. Do you even know what I'm talking about? No idea. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little story. Cause before we talk about the NFL, I just want to say, this is a really fun story. I think it's really interesting. And I think that it has the potential to be something really, really impactful this year in terms of like the narrative around just sports in general. This could be one of the biggest stories. So Deion Sanders, obviously, Hall of Fame football player, world-class athlete in his time. Neon Dion was the nickname, played both sides of the football in the NFL. One of the only players to ever do this in, in, in the modern game, played re- receiver, played DB. But at the same time, in the offseason, he also went and swung the bat for the New York Yankees. Two-sport athlete, not quite to the level of like Bo Jackson, but this is the only guy in the modern era to play in both a World Series game and a Super Bowl. He wins a Super Bowl. So super, super career as an athlete, gets to the Hall of Fame as a player, retires. As kids, they start growing up, decides he wants to coach them. So he starts coaching them as they're growing up in, you know, peewee football and whatever else, Pop Warner. Uh, and then they start getting up into the high school ranks. He starts coaching a high school program. And then he starts coaching this sort of lower, I think it's like a Div 2 or Div 3 college program. 
and all of a sudden turns this program around and they become very, very competitive. But he is still being Neon Dion. It, it is all about Dion Sanders. It's the Dion show. He calls himself Coach Prime and he's got this whole swagger and vibe. He's always in the sunglasses. He's changing the uniforms, making it all, you know, super, super flashy, but it's working and the football's working. So he gets promoted this year and becomes the coach of the one in 10 Colorado Buffaloes. So a program that in decades past was actually very, very successful, but in recent years have kind of fallen to the bottom of their division, kind of a bit of a laughing stock around, around that place. So he comes in here and all of a sudden changes everything. Like the culture is all about the swagger. They change the uniforms. Everything goes black and white. Everything goes black, white, and gold. It's got this real like thing. He goes in. This is, this is the big key part of the story. 50 plus players from the program leave on day one. They're like, no, this is a joke. I don't want to be here. They jump into the transfer portal, which is this whole new thing in college football. Now basically yeah. free agencies exist. So they all disappear. And he's like, fine, fuck those guys. We don't need them. They don't want to be here. They're not part of this. We don't want them. And everyone's like, yeah, but you need some players. So he goes out and recruits all these kids, goes and gets both his kids on the team. One of his kids is now the starting quarterback. Everyone's laughing. I'm like, this ain't going to work. This is a joke. They go out. They win their first game of the season against a ranked team. And it's like, oh, snap. This is this is serious now. They just played in front of a sold out crowd in Colorado against Nebraska and thrashed them. And not offensively, but like defensively, just not locked them up. They are going to now host college Saturday, like the morning show for ESPN is coming to Colorado next week because this is the most exciting, most electrifying thing going on in college football. And it's working. He got into a shouting match with a reporter in the first press conference following that first win was like, what? you? Because you, this guy, I guess, wrote he didn't think it was going to work. He's like, well, do you believe us now? Do you believe it now? Do you believe it now? And the guy wouldn't answer the question. He said, next question, moving on. We don't want non-believers here. We're not going to stand by for naysayers. This is all about, like, you either buy in and you get with the program or you get out. It's this working, has, like, though, and it's insane. This has, like, real Ted Lasso vibes and in, in, in a different, weird sort of kind of way. Like, honestly, I, this is a, it's, just, it's not about the players. It's about the culture. It is all about the culture. It is the, it is, it is the neon show. It's Coach Prime. It's all about this this thing but it and it, what's funny i mean college football is always kind of about the coach because like that is the one constant right you have these guys who play for two three sometimes yeah. four years yeah fair but really like the culture of alabama is nick saban you know the culture at florida and then later at ohio you know was urban meyer and all the problems that go with those personalities and those people but like when you look back at historical historically good like college programs it's always the coach that comes up first right it's like yep. steve spurrier's team or you know when jimmy johnson was in miami or whatever right like it's that's how it's built and that's where the culture is so that is kind of college football but he's making it work and it's pretty crazy so it'll be interesting they're now ranked they're 22 in the country all of a sudden two games in from an unranked program that went one in ten last year they're two and oh there's something there so stick with that one elliot and watch how this plays out i i encourage you to at least tune in for that and it won't be hard to find it because it's going to be the most televised team in the country pretty soon uh they had the colorado game on here in canada on tsn because they know they, they're not missing out on that that wave they don't want to miss the show uh pretty wild though anyway um let's get to the nfl uh as we teased off the top football in season and obviously 
fantasy is the big thing that drives the eyeballs to this sport at this time of year. There's a lot of excitement for people who have waited all summer to kind of participate. It's the most, I would say probably the best uh, set up for like fan engagement from casual, from a casual perspective because of fantasy. Um, but lots of football going on. Obviously it's the first weekend. It started off with the very hyped and very, um, optimistic Detroit Lions uh putting one point over on the uh, the the champion the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs did you watch Thursday night yeah I caught the end of it yeah I've actually watched a ton of football uh this week just because I was excited for it to be back so I caught the Thursday nighter I caught them uh one of the early morning games today I caught the after one of the early afternoon games today and I caught the evening game tonight, and I'll probably be watching the Monday nighter uh, tomorrow uh, night as well. So really well versed in at least uh, four of the games. Uh, so the question and- is this: Do you, are you like a are you like a, a channel flipper, or do you pick a game and just sort of stick it on and and keep it on? Well, the trouble with Canada is those two, like the morning and afternoon games, you really have the choice between two games unless you're getting some sort of extracurricular uh, football package. So I don't have that. So I have two games to pick between. And generally, I pick the one that's uh, got the players that are on my fantasy team. Uh, and if and if that's not that's not the then the tiebreaker is the one that I think would be more interesting. So no, I don't flip back and forth. I don't find that particularly interesting. I I, I really feel like uh, I'm a football football purist, and I enjoy the game for watching the momentum swings. I, re- I, I there's no game that you can better see momentum come back and forth between uh, two teams in football, and I feel like you have to be present through the game as much as possible in order to get the full fully enjoy the experience so no i i usually stick with one team so then what 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 games did you watch this weekend let's let's start there so i started this morning uh san francisco versus the pittsburgh steelers uh you know there's gonna be a common theme that uh that emerges (laughs) today Uh, atrocious game uh san francisco dominated from basically the start uh, of the game uh you really saw the powerhouse that was that team there was a lot of expectations for pittsburgh coming into that um but again you know pittsburgh you know a couple late touchdowns and 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 scoring drives both at the end of the first half and the end of the game but it really wasn't that close uh, so then the second game in the afternoon, I watched Seattle versus the Rams. And uh, while it was close to start, the Rams pulled away relatively quickly like after the first quarter. Uh, and there was no looking back from there. Again, kind of a despicable game. And then this evening, I watched the Giants get totally wrecked by <laughs> Dallas. Uh, interestingly, all three games I thought were going to be way closer, like a combined score of like 70,000 to three. Uh, it seemed like it, it, it just not very interesting and and really kind of just blow out games across the board. Um, so disappointed and disappointing. I guess what I would say is this is the week. This is week one, and sometimes this happens in week one. You get teams at different levels of sort of, um, you know preparedness and it really it was really noticeable today uh in in these are not the only blowout games that occurred uh this this weekend as well too um so you really saw a disparity between you know the teams that were ready to go and those that weren't i do think things will even out as teams get closer and get more prepared and players start to come back um but overall like i have a pretty disappointing way to spend my sunday just watching one team blow out the other one over and over and over again 
Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a weekend of extremes in certain situations. I also watched, I, I am a bit more of a flipper, I, and you're right, there's only like two or three, although I have a couple American channels, and maybe that makes a difference. Like, if I have, sometimes what's on NBC or on, like, CBS or whatever it is, or ABC is actually different than what the TSN feed is. So occasionally I get an extra game in there. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was just flipping back and forth too. Um, I'm one of those guys who let, let like doesn't really care too much about the details of the fantasy team only because I don't, I don't feel like I really follow it closely enough, but I, so I, even this year, like I let it auto draft, but I dominated the guy and I'm like, Oh, actually now I'm kind of interested. Now I want to see how this goes, but I haven't done anything. Like I literally just let the algorithm do it. And I think our AI algorithms and those fantasy apps are probably pretty good at this point. But it was fun to just sort of flip back and forth. I did actually watch some college football, too. I was very intrigued by the Texas versus Alabama thing because I have a very uh, deep rooted dislike of uh, Alabama and Nick Saban. But so it was a busy football weekend in some sense. I flipped back and forth. I also watched some of the uh, Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix. Highly recommend that one if you're interested. It's part of that Untold series. It's that they've been producing. It's basically like their version of 30 for 30. It's the one that Johnny Manziel doc is in. I think I told you guys last week too, yeah. about the documentary about the, the, the thrash, the, the trashers, the, that Danbury trashers um, story about the hockey team owned by the mobster. Um, so that's in that series untold. Anyway, it's a four parter for the swamp King. That's the urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, Brandon Sykes, a, a, a spikes era of Florida Gators football in the early two thousands when they were winning. Uh, it's very good documentary, although it is, tricky to watch because i feel like they are struggling between trying to articulate the toxic atmosphere that was created there and then the inherent success that also was occurring and it's a tricky balancing act between recognizing like yes they were successful but at what cost and they i'm not sure they quite got the balance right but it's an interesting documentary so it was busy, busy football weekend the one that kind of blew my mind and I watched this while we were preparing and then eating dinner was this Dallas Cowboys, New York game. It was like, it was all like defense special teams for Dallas. Dak Prescott didn't throw a touchdown pass. I mean, he got some running support in the second half, but it was like the first half. I don't even know how much time he was on the field. It was just ugly. As you say, like it's one of those things where everyone makes fun of the preseason. It's like, Oh, why are there so much preseason games? Then you get to the first week of the season. You're like, these guys probably could have used a few more reps a week or two ago. It just, everything looks sloppy and messy. And yeah, it was wet, but, um, but like across the board, the highlights, even for some of these other games I watched are just like, it's definitely they're definitely going to take another week or two to kind of get into form. Let's say a well, couple teams look I mean, good. Even but. the teams, even the teams that look strong, you know, it was still mistake filled football. I, I, I mean, I, I think that, that was, you know, we spent basically all of Thursday night straight through to Saturday night talking about KC, the KC game because there was literally nothing Kadarius else. To talk about. Tony, yeah. And all you could talk about was just yeah, the mess that was. Uh, you know, the games there, but I, even just watching in all three games that I watched today, the teams that were stomping the other teams also like drop passes, uh, incomplete plays, like fumbles that don't normally happen, uh, proceed, you know, offsides, stuff that just, you know, normally you see there's, there's certainly there's, that's the kind of stuff you don't see at this level, particularly at the NFL, like that, that stuff gets worked out pretty quick. Uh, week one, you could definitely tell that things were shaky. I mean, one of the ongoing conversations is that it's interesting in the NFL in particular, and this is obviously like an out of injury concern, how little first team players actually play for most teams in the preseason. And so you do kind of get a feel in week one. And I felt like the last three years, particularly in week one, You've seen, and I think we even talked about it last year, just like 
the quality of play not up to snuff because of just likely that like you just need those reps at that level right uh yeah for sure for sure for sure did you know that uh daniel jones was sacked seven times in the first Uh, half that's incredible i didn't know that but i'm not surprised Seven times in the first half. I don't even I know. I mean, they were in garbage time them. and they couldn't hold on to the ball. There was like, I was just, you know, I'd kind of given up, but it was on the background while I was doing laundry here. And they're just dropping balls left, right, and center. Like it was, yeah. it was crazy. It was, it was wild. That's All right. Let's, you just put away. You don't even look at the tape on that. So, one. what's always fun to do, and you kind of teased it already, talking about how like between Thursday and Sunday, this is all that was happening. But, you know, you always get those first week takes and it's the overreactions, right? It's like, how how overreacting can we get? And then guys start dumping players off their fantasy teams one weekend because they had a bad outing or whatever else. But let's just I'm going to give you some overreactions and you're going to tell me whether it's actually an overreaction or it's not an overreaction, meaning yeah, there's actually smoke there. OK. You ready? Yeah. All right. So we watched the uh, the Browns beat up on the Bengals. I believe the Bengals only scored a field goal today. Uh, so pretty rough considering. Uh, Mr. Joe Burrow just signed the most expensive contract in the history of the NFL, and he is unable to get a major in a divisional or pardon me, in a, in a state rivalry game. The Browns, on the other hand, obviously behind the um, very controversial quarterback uh, that they have there, the Browns will win the AFC North overreaction or underreaction. Uh, well, based on today, I mean, I think, I, I don't think that's an overreaction at all. I mean, I, again, it, it's going to come down to who else is in that division and how things stack up, but no, I, I think that they definitely put on a demonstration today that means that shows that they're clearly a, a serious football team and they've been building towards that for a while. So, uh, I, I don't think that's an overreaction at all. They'll be close. Uh, all right. Uh, let's jump to, I don't know if, did you watch any of the dolphins game? I did not Char- see any Chargers of the Dolphins. Dolphins. I did not see any of the Chargers Dolphins game, but that was, I think, the closest one of the of the day so far. Right? Yeah. Um. So Tyreek Hill hauled in eleven catches for two hundred and fifteen yards and three, three touchdowns. Touch- right. Three, touch- three touchdowns. So Tyreek Hill will be the first wide receiver to win the MVP. Overreaction or not underreaction? Oh, overreaction for sure. It never goes to a wide receiver. Absolutely not. There's always the guy that's throwing the ball first. Uh, and it's just it, w- whether it's deserved or not. And, you know, he could he could probably swell, maybe not say this, but he could he could have the best year ever as a wide receiver and probably still be in. It, it would still be a contentious vote because wide re- it's just not something wide receivers do, as you say. So I know that's a hot take, but. If you like betting. Yeah. All right. So the Cowboys, obviously, as we said, dominating the New York Giants 40 to nothing. The Cowboys are the NFC's most complete team. Overreaction or not? Most complete team? I don't think so. Yeah, it was a really strong defensive outing today uh, for sure. Uh, if I wish I had taken the Dallas defense in my draft, uh, would have been a great way to start the year. Um, but no, I, I don't, I, the, the, the Dallas, no, you know, it was a rainy game. It was a lot went wrong. I, I just, I don't, I'm not buying into the hype of Dallas at this point yet. I, I still like, I'm still very much on the fence that even Dak Prescott is even like 
one of the in in the top half of QBs in the league. Well, he cer- he certainly didn't have a great day. Um, he only threw for 143 yards, uh, and the defense and special teams really were the the story for them. But it's interesting. Um, the the big piece of that in terms of like you wait and see is we don't we haven't seen these Jets yet with Aaron Rodgers, but that's who the Cowboys play next week. So that will be the first opportunity if if the Jets win tomorrow against the Bills and all of the oh Aaron Rodgers is going to turn the Jets story around that Dallas Jets game. Uh, could be very, very spicy. All right, one more. Uh, the Lions, who obviously, all due respect to our fellow podcaster, Tyler Walzak, diehard Lions fan. You can listen to his show and Ty- and Puya's show over there on uh, Running Down the Clock every Thursday. They were very excited going into Thursday, and obviously I'm sure he was very thrilled to come out with even a one-point win over the Super Bowl champs. But there's a lot of hype about these Lions, and he – is an admitted born Lions fan. So he did, he, he didn't choose this and he says he would never choose this fate for anyone. This is a team that has not won a playoff game in any of our lifetimes. The question is this, is the hope real? And moreover, are the Lions a legitimate Super Bowl contender? No reaction or not overreaction for sure. But I do think, I do think they have outside odds to make the playoffs and, and you, once you make the playoffs, you know, you do what you can. Um, but I, you know, the lions, the lions are the lions, Jordan, like it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, I do think this is going to be a super fun team to watch throughout the year. There's going to be ups. Uh, there's going to be downs. Uh, it's going to be a roller coaster. Uh, everyone loves their coach there. And so it's, you know, it's going to be fun to watch and it would be lovely for them to make the playoffs. That is the dream of in and of itself. I think Super Bowl is just uh, not this year, not yet, but uh, they're definitely coming on and it's going to be a great story. At least I hope. All right. Any last thoughts on the week one of the NFL before we uh, kick it over? No, I just, you know, our listeners will hopefully be listening to this Monday morning. And if you do have an opportunity to catch this game, this Monday night or bills versus jets, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be overhyped. It could very well be a blowout. Another one. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers first game, not playing for the green Bay Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, whether, however you feel about him is a one of the best of our generation and is worth watching, you know, I think out there to prove, uh, what Tom Brady did. Uh, a number of years ago, which is that uh, he's good enough to take another team with another set of players um, to a Super Bowl. There's some there's some people picking the Jets this year, uh, and the Bills are a very stiff first test. So it could be, uh, regardless of the outcome, uh, we're going to learn a lot on Monday night. Did you see, just because you brought him up, did you see Tom Brady in uh, New England for his little return visit there as they, they paid tribute to him? For his retirement, I, did, no? I saw him do his little run up the field. That was it. That was pretty funny. And then uh, he, they send him up that little lighthouse thing they've built. And he rang a little bell. But it's like he's so small up there. This is a very odd piece of pageantry, I thought. But anyway, uh, all right, let's leave it there. That's topic one. Hey, football fans, the Ordinary Podcasting Network is very excited to welcome back for its second season, Running Down the Clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. Let's talk. Um, let's talk hockey for a second now. Not the hockey that I'm sure 
anyone here is really hoping we're going to get to. Uh, we will get there soon. Yes, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers have come back early. Yes, they are on the ice. Yes, there's a lot of hope and optimism in that city as well about what that could mean. I think they're putting the rest of the NHL on notice. They are definitely going to be the hardest working group uh, this season. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go down the QE2 to Calgary. Calgary played host this weekend to a very important summit hosted by Hockey Canada uh, that included delegates from across the CHL, across uh, minor hockey, uh, throughout the Hockey Canada organization, but also from um, the AHL, the NHL, the IIHF, and other hockey-related organizations across the North America and, and in fact, the globe um, to come together and have a conversation uh, around toxic masculinity, around some of the rape culture and issues that have clearly become the most pressing issue for Hockey Canada in recent years. We've talked a lot about it on this show. Um, the summit was called the Beyond the Board Summit. It was designed to be an open conversation uh, with several different speakers from different perspectives to try to open up some difficult conversations. Catherine Henderson, who is now the new CEO of Hockey Canada, um, basically called this summit together with the hope of culture change, both for the organization and indeed the sport at large. Um, she felt it was really an important piece to examine toxic masculinity in elite men's hockey as a root cause of racism, sexism, homophobia, and discrimination in the sport. Um, she said on Saturday, and I quote, it was a very eye-opening to see how many people were willing to put their mistakes on the table to be vulnerable about things that maybe they're not proud of in the past, end quote. So hopefully, and uh, you know, we, we have said this many times, we're always hopeful for change to happen. But for change to happen, there have to be willing uh, participants and there have to be organizations that are willing to do exactly what she's suggesting is happening here, which is to look themselves in the mirror and really, truly deal with the really dark and ugly parts of uh, these issues. Because if it's all about protecting the, the shield and protecting the brand and protecting all of those things, no change is ever going to actually happen. So I'll ask you this, Elliot, how, and I've asked you this before, I believe on this show, how optimistic are you that Hockey Canada, through this event and through the work that they're clearly attempting to do, um, is capable of, of significant and meaningful change? Um, I, I do remember you asking this question. I don't remember where I, I, I stood before. Very likely was very low. Um. I don't know that this event does all that much to uh, change my perspective on that. Um, but it is certainly a step and I'll say a small step in the right direction. Uh, so like three out of 10 moving up from a two out of 10 or maybe a one out of 10. I was feeling, you know, previous to this, um, you know, I, I think hockey Canada has certainly got its ass kicked. Uh, publicly by the prime minister, uh, sports journalists, people uh, around the country on a number of different fronts. Um, but I'm not convinced that uh, that butt kicking has resonated uh, in the way that it needed to. Uh, these event, It's going to take a lot of these events. It's going to take a lot of these open dialogues, open conversations uh, to to inform uh, a good process, which is what they need now is they need to be start looking at what, what does the process look like to reformation in this league and in this organization? 
Uh, and then from there, then they need to start moving into policy decisions. So they are a long ways away. And one event does not make things right. Um, the problem, as I will always say in the issue with hockey, is the follow up and the accountability. And I, you know, these are the types of events that do a good job of, you know, having, you know, generating conversation from various media people, you and I included. Uh, they get a little bit of good, a uh, little bit of good publicity, and and you know a positive uh, uh, pat on the back, and then all of these things tend to go away. And until I'm uh, more reassured of the uh, the fact that there's going to be ongoing conversations like this, and like I said, that process and that policy uh, is being put in place, I am still going to be incredibly apprehensive of anything that Hockey Canada does. They have lost my trust. I think they've lost the trust of many Canadians who expected better. Um, and uh, and trust is not something that you easily regain, certainly not through one event. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. Where are you at? No, I think that's fair. I think that we have watched a lot of um, starts and false starts on this issue. We've had a lot of different um, pieces of this puzzle feel like there was an attempt that never really came to any thing. I mean, we're still sitting here waiting, what, two years later from the conversations we were having around the first reports about the 2018, um, you know, rape case in in uh, London, Ontario. And we're still waiting for actual um you know, criminal proceedings or actual accountability. Now, there are some rumors that that may be coming very soon, but those are rumors. We've had rumors for years. We've had rumors for months, you know, until Rick Westhead reports anything, I don't really buy into any of the belief of it. There was a sort of a bit of one of those like smoke and fire thing where several of the players from that team all went black on social media this weekend, including Carter Hart from the Flyers. So that became a big story for a moment of people being like, oh, is this a indication of these guys are about to be called out, but that didn't happen or at least has not happened yet. So we'll wait and see. But um, I, I, I have hope that at least because there has been some turnover and some changing of leadership, that there is an opportunity for, for change to begin. Um, I think the first thing that Hockey Canada had to do, and they did, they just didn't do it very quickly, was to actually clean out some of the people that were in there when bad decisions were actually being made and to get some people who had at least clean hands from those specific incidences to be able to look back and review those, those policies, review those, those actual incidents from a position of um, neutrality, because I think that's very important. You can't expect the people who have perpetrated problems to be the ones to clean them up. Uh, they just won't because there's too much baggage there. Um, but I do think that what, gives me a little bit of optimism about this specific one is actually something that Sheldon Kennedy said. Now, Sheldon Kennedy, for those who don't know, is obviously a former NHL player, a sexual abuse survivor, and an advocate now has been an advocate for almost 27 years about child abuse education and prevention. So a very um, reputable and important voice in many of these conversations has been one of those people that the media and others have turned to whenever these stories come up because he's a very well-educated and, and obviously from his own personal experience, a very... Um, important voice in this community and in the in this you know it's him and it's theron flurry and obviously theron flurry comes with his own baggage so he's kind of dissipated from being the person they go to sheldon kennedy is a much more um tempered voice let's put it that way but he came in as one of the speakers at this summit uh and his quote um was we're not winning gold medals off the ice in this space yet um 
we need to learn from others. We need to deliver. And that's the number one and most important thing. He also said, and this is not a specific quote, I'm, I'm sort of ad-libbing here, but he, he, he also said, uh, all these organizations under the hockey umbrella, they have to communicate and they have to work together in a better way. Um, the analogy he gave was, imagine you have a team of forwards, defensemen, and goaltenders, as well as coaches, all staying in different hotels and then all plotting their own strategies and trying to win a road game. It doesn't work. All of those different groups have to come together in one place and actually develop strategies together. And I think that's what he's trying to point out is you have all these different organizations who have been working for years uh, in different ways. Some of them to completely avoid the issue, uh, some of them to kind of uh, you know, try to make incremental changes. But if they're not all on the same page, if there isn't one cohesive strategy across elite hockey uh, from the NHL down to minor hockey, down to the, you know, Hockey Canada program and, and, and Hockey USA and the IAHF, if all those organizations don't have a vested interest in this changing, it won't. And that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. If this is step one to at least getting them all around the same table, I think that's positive. I think that's important. Do I think that one summit solves the problem? No. Do I think they're going to walk out of this, this summit with like a policy handbook that's just going to cure the problem? No. But it's the beginning of how do we talk about these things? How do we address these things? How do we deal with and keep the lines of communication open about these things when they occur, as opposed to the old model, which was silo, 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 silo. And I think that that is, for me, a good first step. Yeah, I think that's really well articulated, Jordan. I mean, I think it's incumbent on you and I and Braden and, and others in the media, Rick Westhead, who, you know, I'm not going to tell him what to do. That guy's amazing. Um, but others in, in, in media and, and who follow these sorts of things to to maintain on top of the story and to ensure that accountability and that follow through exists. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, uh, that's the only thing that's going to keep this organization on track. But there are a lot of eyes watching it right now. And, and um, you know, my hope is that at least that stays the same. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, no, no formal uh, outcomes uh, resulted in this uh, summary is what Hockey Canada basically said. They didn't come out with some kind of series of, you know, strategies to actually tackle anything specific. This was sort of an initiation conversation, but they intend to continue to have these and, and to schedule them in a more regular um, fashion and that all parties uh, involved seemed to agree on that. At least I'll, I'll give you one more Henderson quote. Again, the CEO of Hockey Canada uh, uh, quoting, I'm not sure I can give you a journey map or a project plan right now. We have to take the time to ingest what we've heard, the journey is towards much better hockey that gives all Canadians who want a hockey experience a positive hockey experience. If there are people that want to go along on that journey, please come along. We want you here. And if there are people that that is that that, that this is not their ultimate goal, we don't want them on the journey. If that is not what you want from, from hockey, we don't want them. End quote. So that's where she's at with it, which I think is at least a much different tone than what we were getting from the previous uh, regime at Hockey Canada and certainly uh, uh, an important step forward. Let's leave it there. That's topic two. Hey, if you're a fan of Formula One, then I've got the perfect podcast for you. The Pit Stop Podcast, presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. After every single race of the Formula One schedule, Jordan and Tyler will break it down, give you some news, analysis, insight, before answering your questions and setting you up for the next race. 
That's the Pit Stop Podcast, available everywhere you get your podcasts. All right, let's do hats off here. This is only obviously two of them because we don't have Braden here, so it'll just be two hats off. Uh, Elliot, who are you taking your hat off to this week? Yeah, so I don't know. An awful thing happened, and we've been sort of uh, you know sporadic throughout the summer, but sports radio in Edmonton disappeared in the middle of June. I don't know if you knew this, Jordan. but the Come on. You think I don't know this? I know this. Yeah, yeah. The much-famed TSN 1260, which was you know what I had my AM radio dial set to uh, for many a years. Uh, as one of my colleagues at work said, you know, almost like, uh, you know, kind of like it, it, the people in the car with me for years, um, and I and I tended to agree with him. Disappeared sort of promptly in the middle of June, uh, leaving much many of us who enjoyed uh, that type of radio listening in the car uh, missing that. And obviously, there's there's podcasts and that kind of thing, but there were personalities there: Jason Greger, Low Tide um here in Edmonton that you know were enjoyable and, and great additions to the sports community and often a moderating voice in times of what can be sometimes uh over excitement in Edmonton sports media well uh at the start of this week sports radio is officially back in Edmonton and it's kind of coming in two different forms those that were formerly of TSN 1260 have gone in two different ways there's the Edmonton talk sports group which is a preliminary uh, primarily online and podcast uh, group taking folks like Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric and, and doing shows over there uh, much more I think a younger audience a focus on those types of things uh, but there's also radio back on the radio uh, Edmonton Sports 1440 launched well yeah we'll talk about something in a second but Edmonton Sports 1440 launched this week uh, with another roster of, of, of people that Edmontonians would know, Kevin Carius in the morning, Low Tide's doing a show, and Jason Greger's, of course, back in the afternoon as well, too. Now, the quality of the transmission is certainly worse than 1260, and those of us who knew 1260 knew it wasn't great to begin with, uh, so it is one of the challenges. Oops. It is one of the challenges uh, uh, of this new paradigm, but there is at least sports talk back on Edmonton AM, giving me when I have my occasional drive out to the north side of Edmonton to sign checks for my work, uh, something enjoyable to listen to. So my hat's off to both Edmonton Sports Talk uh, uh, Radio, the the folks on the digital side, and also 1440 uh, Edmonton Sports. Uh, really so, happy. So I don't, I I have never done this before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge your hats off for one second. Okay. How can you challenge your hats off? Let me just let me just explain. So I agree with you. I think it was really disappointing the way TSN sort of pulled the rug out. They were the only show in town. And obviously a lot of people lost their jobs. That was the first and most unfortunate part of it. And then obviously from the listener perspective, yeah, there's a huge gap there. There's some big talent there, Jason Greger included. Uh, so it's nice to see that they get a show back. Jason Greger, however, was interviewed on uh, Radioactive, CBC Radio, a week before they launched, asked by the host, why there were no female talent on the starting roster for the radio station. And his quote was, there weren't any to hire. And then when questioned further about how could that possibly be true, he said he didn't think it really mattered. So I think it's great they have talk radio. I think it's disappointing that there aren't more diverse voices, specifically female, on that station, at least at launch. And I also am disappointed in a guy who I have often cited even on this show as being one of the good guys in yeah. terms of the way he's dealt with a lot of tricky issues in Jason Greger, one of the guys who had a very serious and very difficult conversation after the whole 
uh, Chicago Blackhawks scandal a couple of years ago. And I, I think, again, I cited him multiple times in the show as being one of those people who was willing to have the difficult conversation. Now, was he caught off guard by the question? Maybe. Uh, Would he have answered it differently with a bit more preparation? Maybe. But sometimes it's in those moments where you really get a sense of like what the instinctive response to something is. And it was disappointing to hear. So def- definitely uh, glad it's back. Glad both of them are back. And I do think it's interesting that they ended up we ended up actually with more variety, which is kind of cool because you got these two different platforms. But I think Jason Greger could do better. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I hadn't heard that. Right. I, I saw actually when I was researching for this, that there was an interview uh, this week. I haven't I hadn't listened to it. Uh, if I had, I certainly would have rethought my hats off. It's all good. I do, you don't have to take your hat, but you don't have to put your hat back on. I just think we, unfortunately with this one, it was, I was so, I was so disappointed when I heard it. Cause I'm like, this is such a good thing. Why did you ruin this with such a ignorant comment? Well, that um, is a stupid thing to say too. I, I like there's, and frankly, they, they, there were female personalities that were relatively or regularly featured on low tides show in, in the old version of that too. So that's, it's somewhat bewildering to me. It also tells you what's important because that's the reality of it. It's like, if you, if this mattered to you, you gave a shit about it. You'd make it work. You'd find it. There are talented. There's so many talented people out there who have not gotten an opportunity. Um, and that's just that. Now, do I want to pander and use this as an opportunity to tease something? Sure. Maybe I do. There could be something coming in the very near future to the ordinary podcasting network that could fill this very problem, but we're not going to announce that just yet. We'll just leave that there as a little, little tease. And let's just say that perhaps this com- this comment on the radio might have just been a little extra fire to get that <laughs> up and going. Um, anyway, good one. I like it for the most part, Elliot, little uh, asterisks on the side of it. I will give you some more Edmonton content for my hats off really quick. I want to take my hat off to the Trey Ford. Uh, the Edmonton Elks have been really bad. They've been really bad for a long time, um, but they have finally found just a just a, a little bit of success this season. Obviously, getting their first win um, a couple weeks back, and then getting their first win at home um, a couple weeks back, and that was a huge monkey off the back after a thirty what was it thirty three games or something like that. Really, really awful uh, season of losing. And then they get the win. And then they, I think they had like 20 losses straight at home. It was, it was awful. But Trey Ford has really been the key piece of this puzzle. Uh, a young Canadian quarterback who wasn't really given a chance for a long time. Um, kind of perplexing, frankly, when you now see how electrifying he is out there. He's kind of like the prototypical CFL success story. Like this is what we have seen time and time again, going all the way back to like Doug Flutie. You get a mobile quarterback who has an arm. That should be all you are looking for. I don't want the prototypical like like pocket passer like the NFL. That's just not what these guys are. Yes, you need a guy who can chuck the ball, but he's got to be able to move because the, the, this league moves so quickly and so fast, and he is so electrifying, and it was fantastic. Now, he, he, he had a difficult start uh, Saturday night against Calgary in the, in the rematch from the, the Labor Day Classic. They were down, I think, 23-7 or something, and then they rally all the way back get themselves into field goal position. And then this little Englishman from uh, Southampton faithful comes out there, puts it through, gets them a 25, three all the way. Come back win, Fan- just really fantastic. Um, Trey Ford, uh, Oh, and nine in his first nine games. He's three and one in his last four games points per game in his first nine games was like 14. And he's up at like 32 uh, per, per game here uh, since then. So two things I want to say, number one, good for you. And my hat goes off to Trey Ford. But secondly, like if this isn't the nail in Chris Jones coffin, that this guy 
had this guy and just refused to put him in there for all this period of time because of whatever prejudice it was. And it was probably just the Canadian factor. He's like, this guy doesn't have the resume. Well, I don't care what's on his resume when he got here. I care what's on his resume now that he's here and he is building a hell of a resume moving forward. So hat off, hats off to Trey Ford. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it, it, it makes me feel good when a Canadian kid, you know, does well in the CFL as, as they should. What happens if the Elks um, make it to the playoffs on the crossover after going 0-9 to start the it, season? That would be a hell of a story. That would be as big as the story going on right now in Colorado with Coach Prime. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's a long road. It's a long road. Um, anyway, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Thank you, Elliot. Appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all of you listeners. Sorry we've been very inconsistent. We will get back to a more regular scheduled uh, release uh, plan and we will have lots more to talk about as we get closer and closer to hockey season and all of that fun until next week uh, that was Hattrick Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network it's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook thanks for listening The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.